The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome Dom Jolly to the Hard Shoulder. So many of you will know him from his television work, first and foremost, prob- probably uh, Trigger Happy TV. Others will know him from his not one, not two, not three, but now four books. His latest is out now, The Conspiracy Tourist Travels Through a Strange World. Dom, it is an absolute pleasure. How are you? I'm very good, Kieran. Thank you. I've just been looking you up and apparently you're a psychopath. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, great. Great. That's good. That's good to know. Um, it is absolutely accurate, I have to say. Uh, everything you read uh, online about me, I'm sure everything I read online about you is, uh, is equally accurate. No, apparently I read this thing that everyone in radio is a sociopath, which was amusing me because I'm about to go into radio. So it worries me slightly. But uh, thank you for having me on. How often do people still come up to you and scream that they're in the library or the cinema? Uh, well, actually, weirdly, people constantly shout at me, I'm on the, hello, I'm on the phone, which is something I never actually said, <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's what's annoying. But I do get, I'd say five, six times a day, people will shout hello at me and then their girlfriends will look at them and go, what are you doing? And then they'll have to explain who I am. Uh, and it just gets all so awkward. And I still don't have a good answer. 20 years later, I'm just like, hello. But no, you know what? It's fine. I'm really happy I did something but it just the big phone was not my favourite part of Trigger Happy, but, it, you know, it's good. Yeah, it's, it is funny, though. I guess it's the, it's the piece that kind of um, resonated most, did it? Is that fair? Yeah, because I think what was interesting was that even if you hadn't seen Trigger Happy TV, you were aware of that thing. And actually, I chose a ringtone called Grand Vals, which I hated. And just as Trigger Happy TV came out, Nokia made it their default ringtone. <laughs> uh, and so every time it went off, Actually, I'd like to claim that that was some sort of genius guerrilla marketing on my point, because every time it went off, people just thought about Trigger Happy. But yeah, no, it's very weird. Yeah, there's a great scene in, in Father Ted where uh, Ted meets the actor Richard Wilson, who plays oh. Victor Victor Maldrow yeah. in One Foot in the Grave, and thinks well, this will be hilarious. He'll think it's the funniest yeah. thing in the world if I say I don't believe it to him. Of course, uh, Victor Maldrow then roundly thrashes him. Um, <laughs> that's I mean, a tourist imagine- attraction. But I not only have that, but I mean, you know, I do, my surname really is Jolly. So uh, it's kind of like I've had it all my life. Speaking of Father Ted, I, I actually, I did pilgrimage for the BBC with Pauline McLynn, uh, who has, who has become one of my, you know, really, really, she's just such a lovely, lovely woman. So I'd, I wanted to give a big shout out to her. Yeah, that's nice uh, to hear. Um, am I right in thinking, I mean, the, the fame that came with Trigger Happy TV, it didn't sit easily on your shoulders. No, I think if I'm good at anything, it's being a sort of disruptor, a sort of a rubbish punk, uh, a kind of, you know, sort of biting at the ankles of the establishment. And I didn't realise when I made Trigger Happy, because it was pretty much, you know, I'd done some serious stuff before. I'd been a diplomat and I'd worked in Parliament and I kind of had fallen into comedy. And then Trigger Happy TV happened. And I don't think I realised at the time how lucky I was and how massive it was. And then suddenly I came out of that and it was suddenly like, what are you going to do next? You go, what do you mean? I've just made my first show. And I know I found it very uncomfortable. I think some people are born to be national treasures and move on to do massive, I don't know, be on the juries of terrible shows and do charity (laughs) stuff. But for me, it didn't really sit well. Uh, So no, it it troubled me. But you know, uh, as a kid, I was a goth. And I think, uh, I think it's essentially, I'm only happy when it rains, really. So, so is is that what didn't sit well? The success, rather than the 
fame? Because they're different things. The fame is kind of notoriety. It's people, you know, shouting hello at you on the street. I'm on the phone. And the success yeah, is it, another thing. Was it more the success? That's interesting. Well, I think it was the pressure of success in that I hadn't really chased success in the first place. And suddenly it was like, what are you going to do next to beat it? And I found that pressure bad. Fame is a very odd thing because part of fame for me was really lovely in that it opened up a lot of doors for me. It allowed me to start writing for national newspapers and in the end to do these books that I do. And I'm aware that that gave me my break. But I think if I couldn't write, I wouldn't be kept on. So I'm not worried about that. But there were downsides as well. It's very odd fame. I mean, I could spend three hours, which you definitely Mm. don't have, discussing (laughs) downsides and upsides of fame. Right now, I've got a very nice level of fame where people just nod at me in the street, occasionally shout hello, and people of a certain age laugh a lot because they're remembering something I did. But actually, I'm getting very excited now because now people come up to me and actually have read my books and really enjoy it. My favorite part of fame now. My last proper travel book, I walked across Lebanon, which is a country I grew up in. Yeah. And and I had a lot of people then walking across Lebanon, which is not your average holiday, holding up photos of my book and sending me pictures of it. And that that's a pretty incredible thing to think you write something and then people go off and do something because of that. So it makes me very happy. Do you still have, because yeah, you, you, your family are based in Lebanon. I think your dad was in shipping. Was that right? Um, and you left then when the Civil War broke out in the mid-70s. Do you still have a, an attachment to the country? Yeah, I didn't leave. I mean, I was there through the Civil War okay. all the way. And then I left in about 79 and I didn't leave. I just got, my parents sent me to a boarding school in in England with most of Radiohead and the current Tory cabinet, which was probably more frightening than living in <laughs> Lebanon, to be honest. Uh, and I used to go back a lot. And then my parents divorced when I was 18. 18. So I, 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 there was about 10 years where I didn't go back. But no, I go back quite a lot now. It's a very strange country. Um, you know, I mean, anyone listening in Northern Ireland will know what a civil war does. Mm. You know, it's a very strange dynamic. But it's also life goes on. You know, you can't just live in a constant uh, state of, oh, this is a terrible situation. You just make the best of what you have. And and you develop a very black sense of, dark sense of humour, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is possibly part of what makes me makes me up. Yeah, the 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 the, the walk across of the book is fascinating, and I, I I could talk to you about it again for three more hours. But I do want to talk about the conspiracy tourist, uh, the new book, uh, travels through a strange world. Um, have you a favourite conspiracy theory? Uh, well, there are so many. I mean, I was the whole point of the book. I think was I wanted to look a flat earther in the eyes because I talked to a lot of them online. And I thought, you can't really believe this, you know. Yeah, you, you, you always feel they're kind of spoofing a little, don't they? They're, they're kind of cosplaying well, a little. And actually, in a funny sense, it's one of the things I discovered that flat earthism did start off as a sort of philosophical joke by some philosophy te- uh, professors. I mean, obviously, before satellites were invented, flat earth was more of a realistic prospect. But the actual modern flat earth theory was started off by a couple of stoned philosophy uh, lecturers in North America and like all the, who thought what's the most ludicrous thing we could promote. And like all these things, 10% of the people misunderstood it and took it for real. But I just, I talked to a lot of conspiracy theorists online and it's very difficult to differentiate between people. You think, are you just doing this for clicks and just to get a rise or do you genuinely believe it? And I wanted to look someone in the eyes and say, you think the earth is flat Australians are holograms, and uh, there's a nice wall. 
And I met those people and they did say that. But the weirdest one, I, I mean, there's so many weird ones. Yeah. We can't even but my favorite one that I did in the book was I was, this girl made this amazing graph of the sort of degrees of ludicrousness of conspiracy theories. And I spotted this one called Finland does not exist. And I thought, well, <laughs> did, 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 did anyone tell Monty Python? <laughs> yeah, it's just that's so big on so many levels. And I won't bore you with how the, the conspiracy started, but essentially that Finland and Russia, uh, sorry, Russia and Japan had conspired to make up a place called Finland so they could have the fishing rights to what is they claim sea. So anyway, I thought I should go there. That would be a good way to start the, the book. How do I prove that a country exists? And I took my poor wife with me who was constantly telling me, you, uh, you must take me on one of your travel excursions. So we did. And actually, it's, I landed in what I thought was Finland, but it's very difficult. I landed. There was a thing saying, welcome to Helsinki. The guy stamped my passport. I said, where am I? He said, Finland. I said, am I? He said, yes. I said, can you prove it? He said, not really. But I mean, look on your phone. It says Finland. I go, yeah, but, who, you know, and if you take the role of the conspiracist, I'm like, yeah, but who made the map? You know, like, and you realize you go down this crazy rabbit hole and you can't think about it too much. It would blow your mind. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, did you, by the end of all of this, I mean, did you settle on the best way to confront people? Because that's what often confuses. I, I heard someone else describe it once as kind of the Chinese finger trap. You know, the, the more evidence you pile up in front of them, the harder you're pulling and the tighter it gets in your fingers. I think that's a really, I hadn't heard that, but I really like that. I think, I think if I'm honest, when I started this, I'd spent a long time in lockdown arguing with anti-vaxxers while I had a friend who was in a hospital on a ventilator and it really irritated me. And I wanted to go out there and kind of sort of have a go at them. But having finished sort of hanging out around the world with conspiracy theories, I've, I've changed my mind about a lot of things. Firstly, a lot of conspiracy theories, uh, conspiracists are not stupid. They're actually, if anything, they're quite smart. They overthink. Uh, and I think they just end up with the wrong targets for their worries about stuff. Secondly, even if you did want to kind of have a go at someone, say you've got someone in your family that has suddenly gone down some rabbit hole, there's no point. It's kind of like a cult. Uh, and the more you attack them or argue with them, the more they retreat into mm. their bunker. So really, it's almost like an alcoholic. You have to let them hit rock bottom and find their way out themselves. What I learned, I think, overall... Uh, is that stuff happens. The world is chaotic. It's unpredictable. It's quite frightening. And as humans, we don't like chaos. You know, we like to have order. And conspiracy theories give you a certain sense of order, and it makes you think, oh, thank God, I'm I'm not being picked on. There's not something random's happened to me. There's a reason for it. And it's rubbish, I'm afraid. Uh, the, the world is chaotic, and random things do happen. But it, it kind of makes people feel better about themselves and if you go online and start expressing interest in it, the algorithms just descend on you and feed you more and more stuff. So it's it's a fascinating thing. And I'm afraid it's a real modern problem. Yeah, it is. Which is why the uh, book is coming out at a real opportune time. Uh, so the best of luck with it, Dom. It's been a real pleasure. I promise if I ever see you, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll quote Victor Meldrew or something at you instead. And you, you and I will get the joke. Um, I won't yeah. scream that I'm on the phone. Um, <laughs> the Conspiracy uh, Tourist is uh, the name of the book. Travels Through a Strange World. It is Dom's uh, fourth uh, book. The other has been great reads as well. So if you uh, are looking for something to get your hands on, available in all good bookshops. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.